Whether we're talking about the Iraq war, whether we're talking about the lies about Viagra and Libya, whether we're talking about the lies about the OPCW in Syria, we have every single reason to question that they might be lying about this exactly like they have before. You're listening to The Corbett Report. Welcome, friends. Happy New Year, question mark? Well, it's a new year anyway, and it's already obviously shaping up to be quite an incredible one on a number of different fronts. I'm sure you have been following the story, at least to some extent, of the remarkable developments that took place in Iraq related to Iranian militias and assassination of an Iranian general in Baghdad airport and rocket attacks and embassy sieges and what the hell is going on, you would be forgiven for not quite understanding this story if you are only getting your information from mainstream sources, because obviously they are not providing you with the actual context and the real story of what is actually happening here. They are serving up the same old Pentagon-spewed propaganda lies that uh, they always tend to spew up at these uh, times. So you are not informed if you have not been following events from alternative sources. And one source that I am very glad that I was following at the time that this was all developing was The Last American Vagabond, by uh, who's obviously Ryan Christian, who has had me on his program a couple of times, so I hope you're familiar with it. If not, please do listen to the daily wrap-up. It is an incredibly thorough and comprehensive overview of important geopolitical stories, and because I was listening to The Last American Vagabond's daily wrap-up, I was informed of this entire situation before it even took place. Yes, Ryan was talking about this before it even started making news uh, and, and developed into everything we've seen. So I do have a bit of a handle on it, but really thankfully uh, because of our guest today. So let's bring him on the program. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to be here, James. And coming from you, that's a huge compliment. So thank you. Excellent. Well, as I say, hats off to you for following this story. And as I say, following it before it even became a story, quote unquote, um, because there is background and context that helps to make sense of these seemingly uh, these seemingly uh, nonsensical events that we're seeing. What What's happening? There's Iranian militias in Iraq that are being struck. There's something called the PMU, or is it PMF? Or And then there's this Iranian general. What's going on? So, Ryan, fill us in with a bit of this context about Katusha rockets and other things that have been out there and sort of been reported here and there in a spotty, contextless way. Put that together for us. How far back do we have to take this story to really actually start to understand it? And yeah, this is why your your show as well is so so important because the context is what's often left out. So that's this is why we have to be very very you know, open-minded and look at so many different sources. And and you could date, you could bring this back all the way to World War II if you really want to do to understand where these Katusha rockets come from. But it, it really, as far as my story has been, has, has developed and how far I've been watching this, you can go back, you know, I would say maybe four or five months, maybe further, but you know, it basically, as far as I saw it begin, we need to understand that this didn't just start with Soleimani being assassinated. This didn't just start with a contractor allegedly being killed. This began way before that, when Israel had been carrying out drone strikes and and just regular bombings, ooh, weirdly enough, using Katusha rockets on different locations around Iraq that were targeting the Iraqi military, specifically the 
popular mobilization units or forces, which is the same thing, different terms used at different times, maybe just to confuse people. But they were targeting this specific group and specific locations, such as the Al-Bukhamal region, the crossing right there. And we all know about this. We've heard the land bridge, the discussion about how we can't allow allies to have a road between each other, right? Because, well, they could use, they could ship weapons, you know, also food and whatever else. But of course, the weapons. And so they were attacking this. And this agenda has been around for a very long time. The U.S. is a part of it. We, we actually ship proved on the show, as, as some great research out there, that showed that the United States government was allowing Israel to have U.S. passports to access Iraq and used within American bases actually launch attacks against Iraqi forces, which is outstandingly illegal and dishonest. But that's been happening for months and it didn't get it got ignored. No one talked about it as well as in Syria, attacks on oil and stuff. But that gets ignored as well. And this and eventually this comes to a point to where we saw this building. We started talking about the Katusha rockets and how they said, well, those are only tied back to Iran. But that's not necessarily true, as we know for a fact that is uh, that ISIS has claimed using Katusha rockets twice in the last month in Syria. We also know that Katusha rockets were stockpiled during the Iraq invasion at different times where militant groups verifiably took some. So the point is they're out there. But suddenly they said, well, they're only Iran because we know they're trying to build this idea against Iran, which maybe we could talk about the back there. But this has been building for decades, as I know you know. But then it became the point where suddenly we were saying, well, once this reaches a point where an American is killed, or at least in this case, they say an American was killed, well, then they can up the game. So suddenly we have the story about the rocket that hit the Kirkuk base, which interestingly enough, today, ISIS just attacked and kidnapped somebody from that same base. But that's, you know, not relevant to this story. They said they killed an American, which was, by the way, a contractor which is basically a mercenary at this point, and we don't even know if he exists. They never gave us his name, never gave us anything. And this initiated this whole push by the U.S. government to basically say, okay, this is Iran. Iran attacked us. They killed somebody. We can't allow it. And they drove forward. And the most interesting part of this is up until then, the limpet mines, the tankers, they at least pretended to show us something. Here's a weirdly grainy photo of the small area that we later find out you can find in color and much larger, right? But they, they give you a little small evidence they want you to see. And that clearly was trying to do something there. But now we're at a point where they're just like, this happened, trust us. And this is at a time where we know that they're they just got exposed for a false flag in Duma that the OPCW covered up, that had lying about Afghanistan for a very long time. We know all these things, and yet we're still being pushed forward into a war based on allegations with nothing to back it up. Now, I don't know how we can keep going on this esco the the, the evolution of this. Actually, it, let's it, let's let's slow down a little bit because we have to go through some of this because already we're running into just outright craziness that has been reported um, and just moved on and bulldozed over. But you're let's let's bring this back to this rocket attack on this K1 camp in Kirkuk. As you say, it's an it's a uh, Kaitusha rocket. It must be Iran, which of course is a lie. But it is actually a lie that has a pedigree because Gareth Porter just wrote a really good article that I'll link to called "Lies About Iran Killing U.S. Troops in Iraq Are a Ploy to Justify War," where he goes back to the. Uh, original Iraq War 2.5 or whatever it was at that time about a decade ago when Cheney on the way out the out the door as VP was trying to gin something up to basically get into Iran and they were using lies about the EFPs the explosively formed penetrators that could only have been made by Iran in Iraq which of course was not the case and they eventually had to admit was not the case so it's it's that same type of lie it could only possibly be Iran which was a lie and as you say 
let's also underline this point. So all of this popped into the mainstream news because of this rocket attack on K-1 in Kirkuk and the death of an American contractor and wounding of uh, several American troops. But wait, who? So what American contractor? Still, still at this point, no name has been released. Released. No details. Absolutely no, no verifiable information of any sort. So for all we know, they could be completely lying about this. And before anyone, I'm sure no one in our audience will think this, but before anyone out there in the general public, Joe Q public, rolls their eyes, they wouldn't lie about something like that. Please keep in mind, we are in a post-Iraq war world. We have to take the everything that is spewed from the Pentagon as a lie until proven otherwise. And so far, as you point out, they have done absolutely nothing. No grainy pictures, no details, no names, no absolutely anything to back up this death of an American contractor, which, as you say, at the same base that is now being attacked by ISIS and other things. Oh, who cares about that? I mean, if only we had an ISIS fighting kind of uh, uh, group or force that, that were there in the region that could do something about that. Oh, wait. Uh, anyway, let's just underline all of that, because again, that is an important part of this story that just got completely moved on, and now it's just the kind of background to this that no one even knows to question, let alone actually questions. Absolutely. And this is a point that I'm trying to drive home so often. This, this, Even back then where they were pretending to give evidence, they still did the same thing where things weren't proven. And they just made a claim, claimed it was enough. Most of their allies said, well, that's not really so certain, but they didn't care. And then they step on that and step on that and make a new allegation and constantly point back to the first basically evidence-free allegation. And as we said, now we're at a point where they're not even showing something. They're just saying, well, this is this way because of the thing we said back there. But if you look back at that thing, that was also a thing they said because of a thing back there. And it keeps going that way, where they they don't ever really actually give you anything, but they keep referencing past claims. And as you said, the the contractor here is a very interesting part of this whole thing. Because First of all, I keep pointing out how we're weirdly seeing mercenaries or rather contractors pop up dead a lot lately. Just today, there's a report of contractors killed in in Africa. This is because this is all they're – they're trying to use contractors in place of U.S. troops so we don't have to report it. We don't know what's going on. So that – my theory on this is either that the contractor didn't exist or that it's a person that's so unsavory they don't want to make – they don't want to let us see that this connection is there. But to to focus on the part that he doesn't exist – And this is so important, whether we're talking about the Iraq war, whether we're talking about the lies about Viagra and Libya, whether we're talking about the lies about the OPCW in Syria, we have every single reason to question that they might be lying about this exactly like they have before. But it got rolled right over and we ran right into the next event. And it's important to recognize in this that they ran over this. They said somebody died, didn't prove it, then went on to bomb five different locations. Five different locations in Iraq and Syria, which doesn't really make sense unless you understand that it's a project that's been going on from before, which is why we talked about Israel, because those were the locations they were bombing from the different crossings. But in that bombing, they actually killed nine PMU members, which is an official part of the Iraqi military, which is important to understand. There's Just like they haven't proved this claim, they've never proven that they're actually Iranian proxy, but they killed nine PMU members and over 20 Iraqi policemen. Iraqi military personnel and civilians. And that didn't matter. No one cared. At least the the mainstream media didn't care. And that is so incredibly relevant, especially as now they're trying to claim that they're killing civilians and what they're doing. Right. It's just it's completely disjointed. And we have to see the lies there. 
Yeah, it's absolutely insane, isn't it? I, I mean, think of the levels and layers of this, but because there's an Iranian presence in Iraq and this PMU is Iranian, asterisk, no, no information provided. Yeah, of course. Okay, so the PMU is Iranian. But even so, you're killing Iraqis on Iraqi soil because there's an Iranian influence that, oh, by the way, is part of the Iraqi military and is invited and enjoys the Iraqi government's hospitality there, unlike the U.S. government now, uh, given what we've just seen in the last few hours, uh, the developments uh, in Iraqi parliament. But uh, it, yeah. it's on its face. It's the most blatant violation of all international law that you could possibly imagine. And it just, again, completely gets sailed over in all the mainstream reporting of this. And and before we go on to the next events here, it's really and I'm sure your audience probably knows all of this, but it's so important for those that may not to recognize the part that we were just touching on there, the idea about Iran and the allegations around this, more evidence-free claims from a long time ago. The the Gareth Porter article, which hopefully I'm gonna have him on soon to talk about, the six hundred allegation, which we which we'll maybe talk about, it's not true. But this idea that they have, you know, Iran proxies everywhere. Now, for I'm, no, I'm not trying to suggest that Iran doesn't have proxies or that some of these groups aren't actual parts of Iran secretly. But then what I'm trying to say is there's no evidence to back it up. The ties to Hezbollah, the ties to the Houthis, the ties to Hamas, these ideas that they claim that they're Iran proxies. And then they use this allegation around the world to pretend like they're doing something wrong. But even if that was true, even if the PMU was literally part of the Iranian government, it's still not illegal. It's still not against the law. They're still not doing anything wrong. But e even if they are bringing, let's say, missiles into Iraq, which is kind of disjointed when you realize they said that a month ago, but it turned out to be rockets, but they're making it the same story. Even if they were bringing missiles in, that's still not against the law. The U.S. government sells, gives weapons to 73% of the world's dictators. That's for freedom, though, so it's okay, right? It's just crazy how we make very innocuous, normal things the same way we do with Russia, they do with Russia, and make it into something horrible because they've deemed Iran bad guy. Okay, that's it. Then nothing to back it up. It's important for people to understand. Absolutely is. All right, well, let's then let's move on. So there's these counterattacks by the U.S. on bases hundreds of miles away that have nothing to do with the K-1 attack, but anyway. Um, and as a result of that, we get an embassy siege. What was that all about? Well, this is very interesting. Now, this this is for, for before that part there. We have the idea of Soleimani, right? We have to recognize that we have. So the I, basically what happened was the five bases were attacked. And so they claim this was because they were attacked. But it was a wildly disproportionate response in two different countries. Didn't make sense. But that alone, they could have maybe sailed with that. Then they continued to go on and bob more locations. As if, you know, as if it was somehow still connected and continued to attack places. And this next part of it was very revealing to me. So we had the idea of a convoy being attacked with Kaitusha rockets. And right after that, we had General Soleimani, who was assassinated with a drone strike. Right. And so the rocket attack was still swept up into all of this. It got actually reported as only one thing, but it was PMU members that they're claiming are an Iranian proxy that was killed with a Kaitusha rocket. But you see, that's why they left that part out, because it doesn't make sense. Now, I don't know whether or not they were trying to use this to blame the other part on or, if, you know, whatever happened, but they just ignored that part. And then they assassinated Soleimani, who was a general for the Islamic Revolutionary Guard and easily one of the most respected people in maybe the world at this point when you're talking about Iran and Iraq and all the different people that view him as a massively a character that's out to, that's been helping a lot of different oppressed people. 
But I actually recently found out today the idea about this whole background story that it turns out that he was on a mission, a diplomatic mission from uh, on behalf of Saudi Arabia to basically potentially end the Yemen war. And Trump asked Prime Minister Mahdi from Iraq, temporary prime minister, to facilitate this. So uh, uh, General Soleimani was sent there on behalf of a diplomatic mission, on behalf of Donald Trump, and then they assassinated him. Now, that's I mean, interesting. It, I haven't heard that yet. What, what's that sourcing from? That, well, I, I, could, I have to go through all my information. This is, I, I just, uh, today, I was seeing this brought out by Jake Morfonios. By, and this, this, is, this is legitimately being reported by the Iraqi government. Like this is, they actually also released today that you, the U.S. government admitted to them that Israel had been conducting these attacks beforehand. But there's a question of whether or not they might be lying now because of what's going on. You can argue that. But nonetheless, this, is, this has been pretty widely reported now today. And the idea is that he was there on behalf of this mission. And you could argue either that they were afraid that the Yemen war would end, and that's not good for them, or they just made up this entire diplomatic scenario to be able to assassinate him. And he wasn't in secret. He was flying openly, about to attend funerals. You know, there's just so many levels to the dishonesty and the, the lack of decorum and all of this, you know. But then, of course, this then, then to your question, this leads into the embassy siege, which was ultimately the idea was that these people were there unhappy about their the PMU members being killed. Right. And so this this is about people arguing that they just attacked the Iraqi military and they made it about Iran. Why? Because they were waving the flags of the people that they just killed. Like that's the extent of the argument that they had flags and we saw somebody that was there and they were waving the flags. Well, now all of a sudden, well, they're Iran proxies and they literally actually later arrested members of parliament because they said the same thing. They said, well, you're an Iran proxy. You know why? Because Pompeo said you were at that protest. That was literally their burden of proof. So their, their mandates now are able to the things that they say with no evidence can literally end your life. Well, I mean, let's, let's make sure we've got the chronology right here, because the embassy siege was before the Soleimani strike. Uh, it right. ended I'm, I'm so, yeah. about five sorry, days yeah. ago and then three days ago or so was the Soleimani strike. So, right, right. No, I'm just I'm just I'm jumping around in my storyline. Right. Here, but, but, yeah. but it is important because uh, at least what we are being told is that Trump, after the original K-1 attack, the dastardly attack that killed this nameless American contractor, um, there was a menu of options presented to him. And he chose one of the moderate options, just bombing a bunch of bases that had nothing to do with the attack whatsoever. The far out option was assassinating Soleimani. He didn't choose it at that time. But after the embassy siege... And he had to step up and be the big man. Well, and let's get rid of Soleimani. Um, th at least that's what we're being told. Again, who knows how far you can trust any of this reporting. But that's that's at least one of the reasons why Soleimani was assassinated, because of this horrible thing that took place at the Baghdad embassy. Yeah. And and the the way the, the, the background around the Soleimani assassination and the lies that were used and the way that they conducted this is just outrageous. You know, I mean, just just the, the from from top to bottom, the the decision making process. And I actually act, there's an interesting thing to consider here about how Donald Trump actually conducted this and whether or not you feel that his advisors are honestly advising him, because there's many people that would consider the idea that maybe this was something that was brought to him and saying, well, this is what's been going on. And we've got this terrorist in our sights. And so he just pulled the trigger. And now maybe at backwardly saying, oh, well, this is and this is speculation, obviously. But we have to realize that the way that they've conducted this after the fact doesn't see, appear to be something that they're necessarily continuing to move forward with. It's an interesting development overall. Let's address um, while we're talking about the Soleimani strike in particular, let's address the 
the outright, on its face, incredible, brazen illegality of this, of killing, assassinating a a person who was in the country, in the country that he was being hosted legally and was invited there, um, was on a, the ground of a third, neutral third party to this conflict that's apparently not going on, but kind of going on between the U.S. and Iran, on the ground of an ally of the erstwhile person who's doing the strike, the, the party that's doing the strike, um, utterly on its face in every way illegal, except, of course, there's the, always the fig leaf of something that justifies this, right? And in this case, it's something called the Bethlehem Doctrine, which was recently pointed out by Craig Murray, craigmurray.co.org.uk. Sorry, I'll put, put the link in uh, the show notes to his article, Lies, the Bethlehem Doctrine and the Illegal Murder of Soleimani, where he points out in one of the series of the blatant of blatant lies the USA has told to justify the assassination of Soleimani, Mike Pompeo said that Soleimani was killed because he was planning imminent attacks on U.S. citizens. It is a careful choice of word. Pompeo is specifically referring to the Bethlehem Doctrine of Preemptive Self-Defense, developed by Daniel Bethlehem when legal advisor to first Netanyahu's government and then Blair's. Interestingly, the Bethlehem Doctrine is that st uh, states have a right of preemptive self-defense against imminent attack. That is something most people and most international law and e experts and judges would accept, including me. What very few people and almost no international lawyers accept is the key to the Bethlehem doctor doctrine that here imminent, the word used so carefully by Pompeo, does not need to have its normal meanings of either soon or about to happen. An attack may be deemed imminent according to the Bethlehem doctrine, even if you know no details of it, or when it might occur. So you may be assassinated by a drone or a bomb strike, and the doctrine was specifically developed to justify such strikes because of intelligence you are engaged in a plot, when that intelligence neither says what the plot is, nor when it might occur. Or even more tenuous, because there is intelligence you have engaged in a plot before, so it is reasonable to kill you in case you do so again. Um, again, this is this is why these these phrases and these terms that are seeded into the public consciousness, imminent attacks, there were imminent attacks. They use these words very specifically because they have specific legal meanings that are not the same as the dictionary meaning. You might hear imminent attack and you have a certain image in your mind what that means. It is not what they mean when they say that. And they're trying to provide the actual legal fig leaf for what they just did. But, uh, it, I mean, go and read the conversation between Lavrov and... Um, whichever U.S. official he was talking to, uh, I think it was Pompeo, but whoever he was talking to, saying uh, this is unbelievably, flagrantly, brazenly violating international law and we will not stand for this type of uh, incident anymore. I, th there's a real incredible uh, step that's been taken here. And uh, let's let's address that. Yeah, that it's it's a lie. I mean, there's no other way to spin that, as he says in the article. It's, this is a lie. You can't, you're misrepresenting the word to such a degree that it's just simply a lie. And the, the Bethlehem Doctrine is so very interesting, especially when you recognize that we're stemming from, an, you know, it's an Israeli kind of idea at this point. We've been seeing them used for quite a while. But this, this is the idea, as you said, the real takeaway point that they're saying imminent threat to make the American people think that there's something's about to happen right now, which is what they've been basically saying. But under the doctrine, they literally just need to suggest, as you said, that they may do something or that they have in the past and that they can they can assassinate somebody for that. And and th th just the whole the whole process of this doctrine, especially, you know, seeing that the way that they can step up, claim that something's happening, a government that has been lying before and then use it to kill somebody. I don't understand why we can allow this, especially seeing that their version of the doctrine between the UK, the US and Israel is classified. 
So they get to step up and claim they have intelligence, but we can't see it for national security, which we know by the doctrine could mean that there's really nothing at all and that they're killing people that they already had planned to kill for a long time. They authorized his assassination for Israel like not too long ago, I think earlier, later last year. And yet we're supposed to pretend like now the assassination was just some eminent threat idea. It's 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 flagrantly dishonest. And it, it, again, even if we think that they might have it, we have a right as Americans to know what they have and why, as they're doing it in our name. Absolutely. All right. So let's move the timeline for, forward to where we are now um, and some of the latest developments that have taken place as a result of this. Yeah. So now we've, we've seen it's been a really weird, convoluted evolution since then because it's happening so frequently and so intermittently that it's kind of and I actually argue that this is why this is beginning to happen. It's even as in regard to the preemptive idea. It's the same thing we've seen develop. And you really can't ignore the correlation to the Israeli Gaza situation, to the way that they're building this foreign policy narrative. We're at a point now where it's so breathless and we're so it's about to happen and things are about to happen that all they really have to do now is say that just happened. We're bombing, by the way, which Donald Trump literally just tweeted out today. He just said that Twitter and what he's doing and putting things on tweets are considered informing Congress. So all he has to do is tweet something out. And he literally said that they will respond disproportionately, which is collective punishment. That's a war crime. The second time he's tweeted war crime potentials in the last many days, arguing he's going to bomb Iranian cultural sites. But now we're at a point where they just point to something and attack. And that's what's ultimately happened since then is we've continued to see a rocket flare off. And, and I've only seen only one or two that have actually even like hit in the, in the point we're inside the green zone or where it could potentially damage U.S. forces. And they continue to bomb back and continue to attack PMU forces and can specifically around the Al-Bukhamal region and the border crossing on Iraq and Syria. And it's just, it's just continued from there where we're now at a point where they're continuing to attack them and it's building into an actual war against the Iraqi government, which now we're seeing develop into them deciding to push them out and then just flat out saying, well, we're not going to leave now. But here's what's funny to me. They've screamed for the last week about how we respect their sovereignty and their independence. And the moment they express that independence, they say, we don't care. (laughs) Exactly right. I mean, this is this is really the crazy part of this because it did take place on Iraqi soil. So all of this obviously brings in the U.S.-Iraq relationship. Uh, into question and what is what is happening there now. So as you as you note there, um, Zero Hedge, for example, has it up. Iraq votes to expel U.S. troops as Iranian P- MPs chant death to America. And uh, they do have an important update here, though. Uh, it says the U.S. State Department has expressed its disappointment, uh, disappointment at the Iraqi parliament's vote to expel U.S. forces. However, as Axios's Jonathan Swan notes in a tweet that he sp- just spoke with a senior Iraqi government official who explained that people should be very cautious about drawing certain conclusions from Iraq's parliamentary vote to expel the U.S. This is a far from certain outcome. It's a resolution, and the PM who must sign it has already resigned. Um, and then it quotes, this is a temporary victory for the parties which are pro-Iranian, the senior Iraqi government official told me, but it's also a clear message from the Sunnis and from the Kurds who didn't vote, and from some Iraq Shia, for the Americans to tell them, we want you to stay in Iraq. So this isn't to say that all Iraq is united against this. Of course not. I mean, this this goes back to the heart of what this has been about essentially since the the invasion and occupation of Iraq, which is the Sunni-Shia split that exists in Iraq that has caused all of this, this incredible flare-up of everything um, that's come after it, including ISIS and including everything else. It continues to spill out, and it is still playing out in these internal Iraqi politics. But yes, I mean, now we are seeing the 
pro-Iranian, as they term it, i.e. the Iraqi Shia, uh, uh, sorry, the Iraqi, uh, yeah, the Iraqi Shia, um, asserting themselves more, uh, more so and, and saying, get out, U.S., we don't want you here anymore. This is, I mean, however this ultimately plays out, this is an important development. Absolutely. I mean, the, the idea that they're trying to frame this as Iran's forcing them out is just disingenuous. A really better way to put it is it's just oversimplified, right? I mean, it's not simply Iran there saying you have to leave and everybody else is on their side. I mean, we saw this pretty clearly with the massive million person marches going on about in, you know, Iraq or in Iran, but there's also massive marches in Iraq in, you know, mourning Soleimani and showing that they're in support of U.S. leaving, right? But it's it's not as simple as that as we know, because what we're talking about here, going back to the Iraqi invasion, the U.S. invasion of Iraq, is that it, the, Saddam at the time was kind of propping up the minority, the Sunni minority, and they removed him and destabilized the country, which allowed the Shiite majority to to rise. I mean, they made this happen. You could argue about whether or not that was the intention. I you know I think this was just them bumbling into this. But that's that. That is now just an ideological rise. We're not talking about Iran controlling them. Now, but you could you could make the argument that maybe that's happening. But the point is always is we don't have the evidence to prove that. But they continue to say it. But as you're saying now, they just make everything that's happening about well, well then it must be Iran. Right. right? That, and even Marco Rubio today actually, and this is what's so frustrating is that they they say it's Iran. Nobody they they don't prove anything. And the moment that people go against them, such as the Iraqi government saying you have to leave, Marco Rubio literally just tweeted out that they maybe they should just give part of Iraq to the Kurds now. Maybe it can be Kurdistan. I mean, these are people that are supposed to be representing the legal system and the, the law and our democracy. And they are literally calling for the most illegal things we could talk about today. You know, it's it should be outrageous to people. Yeah. And I mean, it is denying the existence of Iraqi Shia, essentially. Saying exactly. that Iraqi Shia don't exist. There's pro-Iranians. And then there's the real Iraqis, right? You know what? I mean, you know what I find really funny in that is that we're, right now we have a con the conversation, let's say, of of you know Israelis and dual loyalty in this country, right? Which is a whole ooh, you're not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> what they're doing to the Shiites, they're they're doing the exact same thing. They're saying, well, you are more loyal to Iran because your ideology. I mean, how is that not just as offensive as them saying the same thing? But see, it's just a double standard, as so many things that we see. Absolutely, yeah. All right. Um, by we, I mean, this is a recorded conversation, so by the time it gets posted, who knows? The story may already have moved on, probably will, given how fast moving all of this is. Um, so let's address the question of how to keep up to date with these events as they are unfolding so quickly. As I say, I am so thankful to the work that you're doing over at The Last American Vagabond. The daily wrap-up uh, wrap really does keep me up to date on things like this, and uh, this story in particular, I would not have had any sort of clue how to get my feet in this story without your grounding me in that, so thank you for that. We will definitely direct people there and uh, provide the links, but what are some of the other sources that you're using to try to keep up to date with these events? Well, first of all, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, the, I, I would say at this point, as many as you can possibly find, first of all, as, from across the board. I'm, I even tell people, if you know, make sure that you're even looking at least sometimes at the mainstream media to understand what they're trying to say and, you know, whatever. But for me, I would say the key, the key information is individuals first, right? Individual people such as, you know, in regard to Syria, let's say, you know, your Eva Bartlett's and your Vanessa Bealey's and the people that are on the ground researching, writing, that kind of stuff. And in regard to Iran and Iraq right now, there's plenty of independent journalists that are writing about stuff. But, you know, you need to show some discernment because these are people that are giving their opinions. But when it comes to outlets today, 100% independent media, antiwar.com, 
I know, you know, for instance, zero hedge is somewhere I look at quite a bit, but there's, <laughs> I pray easily 40% to what's on there. So I'm just like, wow, I aggressively disagree with that. Oh, absolutely. Right? But- <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I remember a decade ago when zero hedge used to be actually just an independent financial news kind of website. And they had some great stuff from that perspective, but now it's so much clickbait garbage that, yeah, yeah oh. I understand you have to really trawl to find the, the gems in there. Yeah. Well, just a lot of, it's just a lot of shared information from a lot of different sources, but you know, it's, it's good. But I, to be honest today, one of the most generally accurate sites that is kind of biased in their own way in certain topics would be places like Russia Today, RT News, Press TV. Now, these obviously from a one side of this argument, people would argue, well, they're, you know, they're Tehran, that's Russia. But if you're just standing back from a truthful perspective and looking at the information they're presenting, they are all, they are far, far, far more accurate than any of the mainstream we could look at, right? But I'm just for a couple more that I would think of, Moon of Alabama is fantastic. Somebody that I really – his infor, you know, and there's things that I disagree with where it may pertain to Trump, but there's a lot of stuff that he's very, very up on and very, very informative. Mint Press News is another fantastic one. You know, there's really a lot of them. And I recommend yeah. you just find the the individual, such as you know your Whitney Webb from Mint Press News. Yep. Individually, is a really good writer yeah. for a lot of different places. And Twenty First you know, Century Wire has done some good work. Um, oh, absolutely. And they yeah. publish a lot yeah. of these authors as well. Um, yeah, I agree, and I also agree that it is important to follow the mainstream narratives to understand how this is unfolding. Yes, it is often lies and contextless things, but there are important things that are that are embedded in there. For example, you saw the way this was trending because you saw the way the Kaitusha rockets were being reported or not reported, or hey, it's Iran, definitely it's Iran. So we know, oh, they're embedding this because they're going to use this as part of the propaganda narrative. You can actually predict the future when you see them telegraphing their lies. So it is important to follow the mainstream sources as well, um, but it is always important to have context and to have uh, discernment. And uh, it's always handy to have people like yourself out there who can help provide a little bit of that context and discernment for people who are trying to live their lives. I sympathize. Uh, I understand. People are just working in, and trying to you know, keep their head above water. They don't necessarily have all day to be stiff spending looking at the news wires. That's why they hopefully support people like yourself and myself so that we can look at the news wires and try to make sense of this garbage as it is being spewed out to the public and try to make uh, sense of it all. So a lot going on. Um, just, I mean, incredible developments. Uh, I've heard so much speculation, I'll put it charitably, <laughs> pontification, bloviating blowhards, um, uh, talking about, you know, World War Three and what this means and what's the next step. And I don't trust any of that kind of speculation because it is speculation. And hey, it may be informed speculation. It may make sense to a certain degree, but one never knows exactly what the next step is going to be. So we are going to have to be watching this carefully. And as I say, I'm going to direct people once again to The Last American Vagabond to keep up with uh, the events as they're unfolding on a on a day-to-day basis. And I'll be um, covering them on Corporate Report as, as warrants and as necessary as well. So, uh, Ryan, I think that's going to do it for this conversation. Anything else that you uh, wanted to touch on that we didn't get to today? Well, first, I would say just an extra little addition to the independent sites. There's a great link on the Last American Vagabond website, but it's just, it's just alternative sites. So the whole thing is a listing. Yours is on there, a listing of all the sites that I would recommend people check out. That's a good one-stop shop for people to check out. You know, in, in regard to this larger topic, it's just really important for people to show some discernment today. Like it's, you know, in, even in regard to what you and I are saying right now, it's, a, it's never been more important for people to literally question everything. And it just so happens to be my tagline, but it also is something that we need to be you know, bringing into our daily lives. And the situation, the situation with Iran 
has been documented. Decades after decades, they've been driving for this. And yet it's happening now and we can't, we somehow can't seem to bring that together. It's time to wake up and see that it's possible, possible that the bad guy in the situation may not be who you think it is. It's exactly, exactly true. Question everything. And yeah, that does it. I'm sure some people just accept it as kind of just a slogan or a tagline. No, that's a, that's a real thing that we have to engage in constantly questioning ourselves and our assumptions and our, our, uh, everything that we're hearing. We have to keep questioning because it's never quite so simple. Unfortunately, this, the truth is not that straightforward. We have to approach it from information and context and filling in a gigantic puzzle with a million pieces. And we may have 900,000 of them, but there's still a hundred thousand out there that could change the picture entirely. So we are trying to do that and uh, doing our level best to let people know when we're speculating and when we're uh, providing evidence to provide sources. And I think that's the best anyone can do in this situation. So once again, my hat's off to the work uh, that you're doing and all the people that we're talking about here. Again, I don't agree with all the things that every one of these sites say, but it is important to be finding information where you can find it and triangulating information from a lot of different sources. So I hope people will continue to engage in that quest with us. Uh, Ryan, let's end that conversation here today, but I hope people will follow you over at the Daily Wrap-Up. Thank you again for your time. Thank you, James.